Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Welcome back to the show. Finally, a good Paper Mario game, said the whole internet. I don't know, I still think there were a lot of things to like about Color Splash, but for most people, it just had too many Sticker Star cooties and not enough Thousand Year Door cooties. Also, the fact that it was on the Wii U wasn't doing it any favors. But anyway, being a Paper Mario fan has been really exhausting the last several years. And I don't mean the fact that the modern games are too different from Thousand Year Door. I mean going through eight years of non-stop complaining from the Paper Mario community. Or even longer, if you include the people who didn't like Super Paper Mario. To take a description from Thither about Persona 5 and modify it to be about Paper Mario... There was always this tension in the air whenever you talk about Paper Mario. It was always a matter of time before that guy showed up to talk about how Miyamoto killed his dad and Sticker Star smooched his mom. That's how I felt. I couldn't safely talk about Paper Mario in a public setting for the longest time without someone feeling the need to remind the world of how Sticker Star is awful, Paper Mario is dead, Miyamoto ruins everything, blah, 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 blah. I think other people started to get tired of it, too. Well, naturally, some people resisted Origami King in its pre-release. I remember seeing a few comments from other people about how purists were starting to get annoying and similar sentiments as that. Then, as people were cautiously optimistic about Origami King, it seemed like a lot of people were beginning to like it, or at least give it its chance. I think this game might finally be the one to turn things around. Well, I played it for myself, and, uh, spoiler warning, I liked it. Liked it a lot. I had problems with it, but a lot of them are the type of problem that becomes a lot easier to deal with on a second playthrough. Nothing that would really keep me from coming back to it. But where to begin, though? It's a little tricky. There's a lot to talk about with this game, so I guess I could just sort of go in order of my different experiences with the game. (laughs) And, uh, spoiler warning, just in case then. I really like how the beginning of the game, on the title screen, you see Princess Peach and all the Toads having their origami festival. And then when the game begins proper with Mario and Luigi arriving at the festival, the town is completely deserted, You can't see anyone anywhere. Even the castle is completely quiet until suddenly Origami Peach shows up and she's really ominous and stuff. And that was kind of undermined by the reveal trailer showing off Origami Peach and stuff. She's even on the box art. But imagine going in blind and not being able to see the box art for whatever reason. I do like the dissonance between the title screen setting up this expectation and then spending a few minutes wondering what could have possibly happened to make everything so different. And I won't lie, Origami Peach is a little unnerving. In any other context, she'd be just this cute little paper doll. But here, next to everyone else, it's just like, oh, get that away from me. Uh, The writing in this game is very good. It's 
a lot similar to Color Splash's script, though a little less overall funny. It kind of trades in some of its jokes for more meaningful moments, I think, but there are plenty of really good lines. A lot of them are in Chapter 5 of the game. I refer to the streamer areas as chapters. I don't know, someone thought that was kind of weird of me, but the, the game is basically divided into chapters, even though it's not officially referred to as such. But yeah, Chapter 5 has the, the funniest partner in the whole game. Uh, the partners in general are handled really well. A lot of people see the partner system as kind of a make or break with the Paper Marios, and to be honest, well, like I said, I think they were handled pretty well in this game. I could name a few gripes, but I think the fact that they're all either optional or relegated to a certain area of the plot, just, it, it works. It kind of fo focuses more on them in the time that they're with you, so that they don't just kind of gather dust as a utility character like in the original games, because the a Thousand Year Door... After Koops joins the party and you beat Hooktail, what what really does Koops contribute after that? He's just kind of there for shell puzzles. I like Koops and all, but you gotta admit that a lot of the characters don't really do much after they join you and their initial arc is taken care of. In this game, they're a little better about that. Bobby joins you for his whole entire arc, and it's... One of the most, like, impactful arcs in the entire game. Kamek and Bowser Jr., I said they have the funniest writing, and they also play into the end game a little bit. Uh, Professor Toad is a little weaker than the others in that regard, but he had a fun personality still, and it was very consistently useful in battle compared to Bobby. As much as I love Bobby... I have to admit that he wasn't the most useful in combat. And the partners not really having their own HP and just being computer controlled, you don't really have any say on what they do. Uh, I don't know. It's fine. The partners are fine for the battle system that they're in. The battle system itself, though, that's another point that's make or break for a lot of Paper Mario fans and, uh, I, I didn't like the ring system. I, I kind of liked it for boss fights, but with regular fights, I just thought it was really annoying trying to figure out the puzzles because I wasn't really that good at it. And it just... Uh, the, the time limit, I, I understand that they don't want to make it too easy, but I just... I just didn't like the combat system with the rings. I, I felt like the paper macho enemies being like action segments. I feel like we could have had that with most of our battles instead. Like let the bosses keep what they have, but make all the regular enemies into just action events, like in Super Paper Mario. I mean, there are ways to kind of counteract the annoyances of the battle by making the toads solve the puzzle for you if you pay them enough, and certain items you can equip to kind of help out with things, and if you level up your HP with finding the HP hearts a bit, then you eventually become strong enough to beat the enemies in the overworld without even initiating a fight, so it's not all bad. 
and the game admits that it might not be for everyone, so they give you a, a few things to work around it, and I think that's good. It makes the game a little more accessible in that regard. It's not just learn the battle system or deal with it. Uh, the HP hearts, you find them all around the overworld in different areas, and they level up your hit points and sometimes make it so you can just beat the enemies in the overworld, like I said. And at the end of every chapter, you can upgrade your confetti amount. But apart from that, there's no real experience system, which is a third thing that was make or break for a lot of people. And I have to be honest, I'm not sure if I really see the problem here. A lot of people say that they feel like there's no sense of progression or meaning to battles. But, I don't know. Every... Like, you do get coins for winning fights, and you get confetti. And those constitute towards 100% completion by filling in the coins and buying things. Not just that, but it also makes it easier to navigate the overworld. You got too many enemies following you along. Get out of my way, Goombas! So, I think the battle system was like flawed... And I could see how it could turn people off, but I think that it was fine. It's still better than sticker stars, especially because the consumable items are a lot more durable now. Money is no object in this game. There are a couple paywalls in the game, namely in Chapter 5, I think, where there's like three or four things that all cost 10,000 coins. But the durable items is... A marked improvement from Color Splash, even. And Color Splash is already better than Sticker Star at it. But the alternate boots and hammers, they last a few times before breaking. It's not just one and done. It's I, I compared Sticker Star and Color Splash to Breath of the Wild, but I, I guess I'll concede that at least in Breath of the Wild, the weapons last for a little while compared to just being used once and breaking. This game is actually a lot closer to Breath of the Wild in the regard. You can have the Hurl Hammer last for a few rounds, actually. So, by and large, I'd say the battle system is an improvement. And even on an aesthetic side, the battle music changes based on where you are. That. That's a first for the Paper Mario series. You don't really get that in any of the other ones. I I don't really see that talked about very much. I, I see people enjoying the different themes and having favorites, but never really talked about how it's a new thing for the series. So let's see. I talked about partners. I talked about the battle system. I talked about how I liked the intrigue of the opening. Well, the story itself, I think, it's a lot more put together than, I'd say, Color Splash was. There are a lot of areas in the game to visit, just like usual, and they all introduce a lot of different pieces that all come together by the end for a very cohesive arc. You kind of get that with Color Splash, and you get that with one chapter in Sticker Star, but in this game it really comes into its own with it, seeing how all the different aspects of the red chapter fit together so that you can finally get to the red tower. And I just really like seeing that. And 
even on a grander scale, each of the five regions is visited because of the different streamers blocking the way to Princess Peach's castle. This is the first time that a Paper Mario game isn't centered around collecting some amount of objects. You have a defined goal, get into Peach's castle, and it just so happens to be a quest that takes you all around. It's not, go to the different corners of the world and bring me back the five to six to seven shiny objects. I mean, in in practice, it's not really too much different, but it is a bit of a different angle than usual, if that makes any sense. And I really appreciate that. Uh, Olivia is a really good partner. She she was actually useful some of the times. I was expecting her to just be Captain Obvious a lot of the time, but no, she actually got me through a few of the tougher puzzles, both in the overworld and in battles. I wasn't sure what to do, and I just went for broke, asked Olivia, and I was like, oh, I bet I could do that. So, the system works, and... Olivia is just charming. She's a really cute origami fairy person. Like Sticker Star and Kirsty, I didn't like her. As much as I'll be the one person on earth who will say something good about Sticker Star, like even I didn't like Kirsty. Huey was really charming in his own right. But I think Olivia and her ties to the plot were a lot stronger than Huey. She had a lot of really good moments besides just being cute or funny. Like, after the whole thing with Bobby, she was really miserable and showed another layer to her that we didn't really see before. And and she's really, all the time, blaming herself for everything bad that happens to the world because of her big brother. And it takes a pep talk from Bowser, of all people, to kind of let her know that she's alright, she's not... Ollie isn't her fault and stuff like that, or... Well, I I might be misphrasing Bowser a bit here, but... Like, Olivia is, is good. Protect her. The fact that she and Ollie are actually creations of some toad, and how this plays into Ollie's grander motivation is really interesting. I was kind of thinking that, oh, they're just origami royalty from some distant origami kingdom. You just gotta deal with it. There's an origami kingdom now. But no, they're actually just this one toad's OCs. I thought that was way more interesting than what I was imagining. That really adds a lot more to the story, and Again, how it really adds into Ollie's motivations. Ollie was underutilized, I have to say, though. He doesn't really appear apart from the beginning, the ending, and one scene in the first part of the third chapter when he drops a rock on his sister and Bobby has to blow himself up to get rid of it. Like, they could have done more with Ollie and Peach, for that instance. But whenever Ollie is there, I, well, he, he was very punchable, so they did well in that regard. And I think his motivation is weird. It could have been fleshed out a bit more, and it was just so easily undermined by reality. He thought that his Toad creator disrespected him. 
and then he found out as he was dying that that wasn't the case at all. I think the fact that it was so easily undermined was intentional, though, because Ollie even comments on how badly he messed up. They they, they kind of made him a little bit sympathetic in that way at the end. I was worried that he was just going to redeem himself and walk off into the sunset holding hands with his sister or something. But no, they didn't do that, and I'm I'm glad for that because I would be very upset about Ollie getting to live and Bobby dying to get past Ollie's obstacle. <sighs> the fact that Ollie very specifically hates the toads was an interesting angle. He thought that his toad creator disrespected him, so he he tried to turn against him, and because all the toads look very similar. He kept seeing his creator's face everywhere else, so he just wanted all the toads to suffer because of his indignity. Which, well, first of all, ouch! That's a very nice kind of subtextual nod to the fact that the fans have been getting tired of seeing the toads everywhere. There's also the fact that the toads in this game can be kind of jerks sometimes. The way they treated Grand Sappy, how they charge and exploit the Koopa Troopas to worship the Earth Elemental, all the stuff Captain T. Ode did. It's like a really neat angle because we don't really get the toads as a plot point. Usually the bad guy wants Princess Peach or they want to mess with Bowser or they are Bowser. But we never really get someone who just hates toads in particular. And you can kind of tell all throughout the game that the Toads suffer the most out of everyone. While the Folded Soldiers are just reforged minions, up to and including Princess Peach, Ollie never tries to use the Toads to his advantages. He and his legions of stationery just want to torture the Toads all day. So you can kind of tell early on that he has something against the Toads. I really like that. Speaking of the Legion of Stationary, those were, surprisingly, some of the best part of the whole game. I don't think that's grammatically correct, but oh well. Like we People were kind of clowning on them during the pre-release, like, oh, we're just fighting inanimate objects. Remember when we had actual characters to fight, but then, then they were actually good? Like, the colored pencils using... Well, first of all, the fact that he's named Jean-Pierre Colored Pencils the Twelfth, the fact that the tape is a gangster, the fact that the hole puncher does disco dancing, the stapler being an attack dog, not just that, but being foreshadowed to exist at the very beginning, scissors, in general, the, they were like things from the other games, the thing objects that you could use, but now they were turned against you instead of working for you. It's kind of a neat angle for that, and, and and they were just fun personalities. They had fun boss gimmicks, for the most part, and really good fight music. I did not expect to like the stationery as much as I did. Like To this day, I'm just thinking about how cool it is that Scissors just effortlessly ra ravages everyone in his path, and how Stapler is that angry attack dog... The Velementals were not so good. I didn't really care for fighting them as much. R really, it was just the fire Velemental that 
got on my nerves. I felt like they were relying on you brute force tanking damage too much. It just it didn't really seem completely intuitive. I could tell why Andre Game Explain hated that boss so much now. And the other ones weren't really that much better. Once I defeated the fourth and final one, I was I was pretty relieved that I didn't have to put up with them anymore. Uh, just like Color Splash before, this game has some really cool locales. Like, the first streamer is kind of, yeah, just kind of generic grassland, but they play it up, they play around with it a bit by giving you that tourist trap, and the fact that it's the first chapter, I don't really expect much from first chapters in Paper Mario, they kind of get some leeway. Chapter 2 had really neat Asian aesthetic, really good music to go along with it. Chapter 3 was kind of a desert again, but, I mean, well, first of all, it wasn't the second chapter, so that's nice, but it was also a desert at night, which isn't really typical for Mario deserts. It's usually just avoid the quicksand and the pokies, and that's about it, but they really tried to make this desert level different from the rest, and I think they pulled it off very nicely. The ocean chapter is really cute for being a big Wind Waker reference, but it's also kind of the weakest of the chapters. I'll probably go into that more if we, if I ever get a guest to talk about the game with me. And uh, then there's Shangri Spa, which is mostly carried by Kamek and Bowser Jr.'s writing. But it's it was a good chapter too, like really good locales. Like I said, they that's something that even Color Splash got right. So I I I don't really worry about the different places we'll visit. We're not going to have new Super Mario Brothers syndrome for a while. I think even the final level is really aesthetically like interesting. It's not some kind of lava castle or anything. It's it is a castle, but. It really plays around with the origami aesthetic. Not as much as it could have. Like, a lot of my friends were kind of underwhelmed by the final chapter, but I liked it a lot more than the Color Splash final chapter, at least. And uh, the game ended on a really heartfelt note. It, it was nice to see everything come together, and everyone just kind of peacefully like, unwinding after a harrowing adventure. Uh, fun fact, we never fight Bowser. He is firmly on our side for the entire story. I was really worried that Ollie was going to hijack Bowser and fold him up into origami Bowser or something. But Ollie is the final boss through and through, and that was a breath of fresh air. Favorite songs include uh, well, Toad Town at the beginning when it's overrun by the paper macho Goombas. That's a really interesting song. It's almost a shame when the song has to end once you save the day. Uh, almost all the versions of the battle theme are great, but my personal favorite is the one that plays on Autumn Mountain in the second chapter. Which is a different song from the Blue Streamer battle theme. It's its, its own variation of that instead. And uh, the tape boss battle theme. That, that's probably my favorite of the stationary boss themes. 
I'll probably talk about Origami King again with a friend in a future episode. I don't know who it will be, but this game definitely warrants more discussion. And I gotta say, I'm really happy that a Paper Mario game is well-liked by the general public again. It seems like this game has been given the credit where it's due, I can understand if people don't like it anyway because they really don't like the ring system or something like that, but I think this game finally showed that modern Paper Mario can still be good and that the emphasis on the world being made of paper can still make for compelling plot lines, like how they get away with all the stuff with scissors. I I just... Like, I can talk about this game without someone going like, Oh, Paper Mario's gonna be bad forever. Or, oh, Origami King is actually trash. I mean, th- there will always be those purists, but I, I... I don't know. I'm repeating myself at this point. I'm really glad that Origami King is is liked by more people than just myself. There. If you want to hear me talk more about games, then be sure to follow the BitCasts on Twitter and... Subscribe to the show on Podcast One's website and app. Thank you for your time, and I'll see you on the next one. Listen to Bidcast anytime on PodcastOne.com and on the Podcast One app.